0: twitter and I'm here with my good friend Mark did who uh, may may need no introduction you've been on this podcast a bunch I don't know how recent it's been
1: have I done a 2022 yet I don't think so oh, no ooh, Wow. well we got in before the halfway point so yeah
0: there you go that's right just just barely just made it made it in there um my kids are obsessed with when it turns into summer <laughs> uh like and I like kids aren't for for those of you who don't have them kids aren't um like willing to live with the answer of the seasons are kind of more fluid than you want them to <laughs> be right now like it's kind of summer when we decide it's summer they want to know when the date when like the 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 people who are high up in the government who decide when summer <laughs> is uh say it's summer uh so yeah oscar was asking me today if tomorrow would be winter or summer and i said it'll be spring still and he said oh so dairy queen will be open yes <laughs>
1: The Looks true commercial. marker, yeah, I had. Yeah, um, that's right. Finn uh, all winter was basically like it's too cold for ice cream when we drive by the the Dairy Queen and they, you know, they said clothes for winter or whatever. And he just very somber. Mm-hmm. It's too cold for ice cream. And then they open at the <laughs> they open in like the middle of February again though, and it's like he's like, oh, yeah. it's time for ice cream. I'm like, well, still kind of too cold for ice cream, but you, it is available.
0: You can't, yeah, you can't tell a kid it's too cold for ice cream. Yeah. Actually, like the too cold for ice cream is really. It's like saying like it's it's you know uh, it's like closing time when you're out in college or something like that where <laughs> people are like all right everyone has to go home and you're like yeah I guess it's too late to be drinking you're really <laughs> like I'd I'd stay a little. It's later. just
1: it's not too cold to eat the ice cream it's too cold to wait for the ice cream you know that's really mm,
0: that's reasonable um I think like things I've waited for in Maine oh sorry I gave away your state um everyone knows you.
1: Yeah, I think
0: that's. Uh, good. Dude, I think that, I think that is well known. Um, things I've waited for in Maine probably boil down to a lobster roll. I think I. I don't know if I've ever waited for ice cream. It's good ice cream in Maine. though. There is, but there is, is some real good dessert. ice cream. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Maine, believe it or not. Um, Mark, you've been uh, delving into. Uh, well, you've been doing a lot of work for Paste Magazine. I have been. Yes. Yeah. Um and some interesting stuff there, some shmups, uh, thing, things of that nature, uh, which you are also interested in. Um, and they'll come up this time around. But what I'm interested in is your current, uh, what you're working on currently for them, uh, and and what we're talking about today. Uh, you're interested in a, in a uh, publisher that has not been around for a little bit, but has left a rather outsized mark for its uh, brevity.
1: Am I supposed to say who they are?
0: Yeah, yeah. Go oh, for okay.
1: It. I didn't want to take. Yeah, I didn't want to you. steal your your thunder. Here.
0: No, but you're you're the guest. You should have the thunder. Oh, okay. Uh
1: yeah, we're talking about Treasure today. Yeah. Treasures. They're so good. They're so great. Not so, to, not to spoil the the direction the podcast episode's going to take, but I like can them. Can
0: you Yeah, I mean, can you so can you sort of like talk us through Treasure as an entity before we get into the games? Like what's the so this is like this is a, a publisher that a lot of people have played games by. One of the mischief makers is one that I like. You know, one of the the memories I have of playing it like at my dad's house when I brought the N sixty four up there and just finding it like totally bewitching and strange. Like, I almost can't credit the memories because they feel kind of outsized and weird. Um, really, really interesting company. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like what what it was, what it is, like why? like how how it came about that we have sort of this like you know golden age Rare-esque company that does not have the footprint of golden age rare oh yeah
1: it's um it's funny you know uh their origins uh are in konami not making games that people worked working at konami wanted them to make which i know is probably <laughs> a very difficult thing what? to envision <laughs> yeah it's really truly really a stretch but um yeah, you know, that there there was a the treasure's always been small. So the people who left Konami, it was really just like a handful of developers, and then they brought in some other people too. Um but it was people who had worked on a number of different Konami properties, and not necessarily like together as a unit, but they all, you know, they had this idea for a game, which would turn out to be Gunstar Heroes eventually. Um, and Konami didn't like it. They didn't like the idea of it. You oh. know, their run their big run-in-gun was Contra, and a lot of the point of Gunstar Heroes was like, what if what if we changed how the genre worked you know and konami didn't think it was going to work uh not to konami's credit but it turns out they were not the only ones who thought this sort of thing because after treasure uh after what would become treasure uh formed or left the company and then they then they formed that studio uh you know they pitched it directly to sega saying like we think this game should be on the genesis which is a very treasure thing. Interesting. They they didn't yeah. they didn't make multi-platform games really. They were like this game will utilize the strengths and unique nature of this system, so we want to put it on this one. So
0: So in that way like I mean that sort of explains why uh, I mean that explains sort of in the way that they're similar to Rare, right? Cuz Rare was was the a Nintendo only sort of company. But then also like why you know why we sort of like why it is this kind of like odd memory sort of like blip as opposed to something where you're just like, Oh yeah. Remember, um, I can't think of a good example, but even like something like team ninja, right. Where it's like so many people got a chance to play their games because they were on so many systems. This is yeah. more kind of specified.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting now treasure games. I'd say the majority of people who know them, it's because they're multi-platform. They've been re-released a bunch of times, but you know, uh-huh. in the, in the moment, uh, I think they're, I can't remember exactly how many, um, but their first few games were all not only on Sega systems, but published by Sega too.
0: Right. I remember that with gunstar heroes. Yeah,
1: for sure. And, um, I think until mischief makers might've been the first one they did that wasn't on a Sega system. Really? Yeah, Cause they ended, okay. they ended up, it might've been, it, I think it was mischief makers. Yeah. Cause I think that came out before Van Vangio and then sin and punishment was last. Yeah. So they did, um, you know, all Genesis stuff. And then they, uh, had a couple of Saturn games. Um, their first PlayStation game wasn't like it. It was uh, Silhouette Mirage, which was a Saturn game, so it wasn't like an original PlayStation. But that's like the first time they ever oh. had a game on two systems. Um,
0: that's that's very common with Saturn games. They ended up on another system, of
1: course. Yeah, and uh, and it was worse in America at least because Working Designs got their hands on it, and as they did with so many things, completely just fucked it up.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, is that why a lot of the Saturn games were so kind of uh, disappointing in their, in their ports? Or I always, I always was under the impression that it was because the Saturn was such a specific piece of hardware.
1: The Saturn was very much like, um, I think probably the closest comp we have is like the PlayStation three where it's like, uh, here's a bunch of hardware the- <laughs> that doesn't have
0: any games. Though.
1: <laughs> it's like, here's a bunch of powerful hardware. The only people who know how to use it are the ones who designed it.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and, right and eventually like everyone figured it out eventually um the saturn is loaded it's just they didn't release so much of what makes it loaded in uh in north america so
0: well sure yeah and I, I think that's like you know that's why emulation has been so so big right like that's why we've had there is such a huge emulation scene for the saturn yeah and it's not but
1: like there's no like great saturn emulator either um hmm. there's no saturn emulator that exists that can play all of the games without an issue uh, now can you play all of the
0: games if you play on multiple emulators or I, you know I, I don't know that
1: um hmm. because i, I don't... sorry i'm
0: asking you to kind of go a little <laughs> no, far the other no way to i don't agree i don't talk i don't about. really
1: mess with saturn emulation uh because i have one and it's soft modded so i can just burn cds of oh, that games sucks. that i legally own that i prefer
0: to play yeah, on of course. Burn cds What's wrong with that? Uh, we do have a a, a large a large uh, listenership in the FBI specifically.
1: <laughs> you have to tell me if you're a cop. You have to tell me if you're wearing a wire, even though we're that's
0: correct. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so uh, talk to me a little bit about Treasure's trajectory then. So it, it's a it's a very specific, and this is more common, admittedly, in the years of the Genesis and the NES, and the Super Nintendo. Like a uh, they picked specific systems, and they were Sega specific for a long time. Like what? Like describe sort of like the the arc of history as as briefly or as uh, thoroughly as you'd like to before we actually get to the games of this of this studio, because obviously we're not hearing about treasure releases now. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, So I feel uh, like like, let's start kind of at the end. Just just to make this make sense. Yeah. Um, Do you remember when consoles first went into HD and there was all kind of the the panic about like how Japanese studios were going to handle the much more expensive development cycle.
0: I actually don't remember that. That's interesting. I I, I remember when consoles went into HD, but it was, I was not following the news at that point. That was when I was sort of out of games. So that's, that's, I've never heard that. That's really interesting. It was,
1: it was basically just saying game development is going to become more expensive. So how are some of these smaller studios going to hack it? I mean, if you think of the way studios are, um, in America, you know, th-
0: uh-huh.
1: there weren't as many independent studios at like the dawn of the 360 PS3 era, you know, uh, now they're everywhere between, uh, you know, steam was only a few years old then. So like having that kind of digital distribution and that access, uh, that lower barrier to entry for studios to even exist and make games, it wasn't quite finalized yet. So this is very much a different time. Uh, yeah. yeah. So America had a lot of like bigger studios and, and, uh, publishers failed even then, even though the cost of game development wasn't quite as much as what it would become. But Japan has a lot of like smaller contract studios and uh, like helper studios. Um, I mean, you think of even someone as big as Nintendo would often like license a third, like bring in a third party on a contract to make games for them, because even at their size, you know, they needed the extra help. So there's like a whole right. Segment of those kinds of developers and treasure was really always kind of like a little boutique developer like that Um they worked on, you know, for. For the amount of time they were around and the success of some of the games they had, you know, Sega published a whole bunch of their games at first. Nintendo published a bunch of their games, Uh Enix, Unix, Enix? how do you? En-
0: what do you. What do you uh enix yeah like, the other the I, other i always call it enix
1: yeah um they published a few games until they had uh mr you've Makers. heard it called unix square unix
0: square Enix? unix unix is uh unix is uh like yeah, they, linux is based you, off of. yeah i don't it's a, it's an os no one says it out loud to me you know um, well i was just i was just telling you yeah. i'm not making
1: fun <laughs> um you know they had games published by them and, and others too but like a, a lot of their games were either uh licensed properties where the publisher didn't necessarily matter so much, it was just like doing a licensed property to make money to make the games they wanted to make. But even the games they wanted to make had to come had to be published by someone big. Treasure wasn't self publishing uh, any of these games, you know, because they they were small. And if any of the games ever were going to get out of Japan, or sometimes even in Japan, you know, they needed someone to uh, to publish them. So,
0: okay, so uh, basically what you're describing is like is a is a like a splitting up of, of um responsibilities like like a division of labor where you sort of get people who can develop and people who can produce as opposed to our current system where i mean outside of some some uh kind of high profile um differences or, or uh differences but exceptions like say like a platinum or something like that you have those both in in in-house uh, production and distribution
1: yeah i mean look at um so i think nowadays you know someone would have bought treasure
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. You know, uh, but they wanted to. They probably also wanted to stay independent. I'm, I don't know if Sega ever made any overtures, but Sega of America wasn't making any good decisions at the time and had more sway <laughs> no. over the business's direction because that bi- side of the business was bigger than the Japanese side. So <laughs> that would have been a good decision. So of course they wouldn't. Have done. Um. Yeah. So they, they just kind of they hung out in this boutique space, and I think as game development got more expensive and people started to leave treasure. Um, you know, they kind of just lost, kind of lost the, the business model that had worked for them. Um, there's even a time toward the end of their career where they essentially announced they weren't going to try to like push, uh, make custom, uh, I don't know if it was engines, but they were, they weren't going to try and like make use like custom game platform building, uh, engineering, oh my god my brain is on fire mm. um, <laughs> they weren't going to try and push systems to their limits which had been like a mm-hmm. big thing that Treasure did and part of the reason they were so specific about which games appeared on which systems you know um, right right fair enough so kind of like what if Treasure's whole point was to kind of push the limits of genre and technology and now they don't have the, the backing or the, the manpower to do either of those things. Right. You know, kind of, where are you? Which is why, like, Treasure hasn't shut down, but the last games they made were almost a decade ago, and they were licensed games for the 3DS, which is, you know, cheaper to develop for than, like, if they had been doing the the PS3 or PS4
0: or whatever. Interesting. So that was, like, a lot of companies did that with the 3DS, right? I get the feeling, and I don't know this, so you can tell me if I'm wrong, because I know you. this is sort of more of your bailiwick. Um, the DS was... Like, easier to develop for, I get the feeling.
1: I don't know if it was easier. To, I think if you had, if you were a company like Treasure who could see a platform and see what made it different and what its strengths and weaknesses were and develop based around those sorts of things, I uh. think yes, it could be easier to develop for. If you were one of the developers who's just like, it's another platform to develop for, treat it like any other. You know that's sort okay. of stuff that's experiences that aren't as good like it's going to seem like it's not as good um but treasure had that understanding of these are the strengths this is what it can do so let's okay let's do it um interesting yeah so even they stuck with 2d gaming even as 3d really took hold so really right scrollers.
0: yeah and this is something i know we've talked about this on the show and you've talked about it in your writing this is just something that like people hate <laughs> people hate the idea of um, in in the 3D times uh, having 3 Ds, having 2D stuff when you could have 3D instead.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. You know, the biggest criticisms of Mister Makers, just to bring it back there for a second, are essentially it's too short. Why isn't the whole thing? And, you know, why is it not uh, like a 3D world? And it's just the it's like two things that make me go into like a very quiet rage. Like, yeah, well, because yeah. not every game needs to be
0: that. Well, it's funny. Cause we've gotten to that point now, right? Like yeah. I feel like that we, we understand that not every game has to be 3d. We, under, we have like a sense of, okay, games can look different and be different and have these sort of like different modalities to them. Uh, but for anyone who wasn't alive in, in like the late nineties and early two thousands, this is something that was like absolutely unheard of. Once polygons started being added into things, you needed it to be 3d. Or you were just like you were doing bad graphics. Um, yeah, it's ugh,
1: it's incredible. You know, there's um, like I am on the side of the industry shifted to 3D too quickly. Not that they couldn't do it and not that they shouldn't have done it. Right. But there was so much more like, you know, the Saturn was 32 bit and did tremendous side scrolling stuff and tremendous sprite work. And yeah, people I think, just didn't. Oh, developers were just like, "No, we have to make really ugly 3D models on the PlayStation, like that." I mean, I think that the, is our. Mission. I think
0: ultimately, I think ultimately, the issue was, you know, they don't. This is not a. Uh, this is not a group of people who care particularly much about, you know, the, the mission of uh, of games <laughs> yeah, as yeah. such. More that it's like, you know, what'll get us the money? Like, oh, you, yeah. you, that, I mean, that's that's a that's a financial decision, right? Where you just say like. People are getting so hyped over like the idea of 3D games. Yeah, it's just they're not as hyped, right? over this other stuff. It's
1: just a shame. And like I said, you want to explore that 3D space. I'm not saying that sure. no one should have. It's just it feels like one of those things where it's like everything. It's like open world now, where it's like everything must be open world. <laughs> that is what the kids want. They want open world, and it's the like kids
0: are, the kids are begging for open world and no build. <laughs> they want. They want. They want the no build fortnite and open world so give give them what they want <laughs> um yeah I think like I think you're right um but it does it does sort of make for an interesting story with with treasure particularly because um the the sense of like maintaining a kind of artistic um persistence right mm-hmm. where like they just say like no we're gonna keep doing things the way we do it because that's how we work as you know developers or I don't know if they call themselves artists, but like in a sense, like creators, uh, however you want to imagine it, um, you know, it is the sort of like consistency of focus. And I don't think there's a lot of people outside of just like kind of, again, boutique or indie or, um, you know, already very established and privileged devs like your Kojimas or your, um, you know, your your Miyazaki's or whatever that can kind of live that way and say like, no, no, i I only do, I only do this one thing. Um, Treasure feels like um, a super useful artifact as far as that goes.
1: Yeah. I it would be fascinating to see if they would have finally given in and let someone bought them buy them now, if they had stayed together, but like of the original founders, like of the major key players from the original founders, I feel like, uh, Masato Magawa might be the only one who's left. Because mm. <clears throat> um, like. Su- Suganami left. Iuchi left. Uh, <laughs> the artist who is always credited just as Han in all capital letters left.
0: <laughs> A classic. Well, A it's classic. like you
1: know his style. You know, if you've looked yes. at Gunstar Heroes, you've looked at Guardian Heroes, you've looked at uh, any of, you know, not all of it, but so much of it. Like, you know who drew those characters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like, no, I mean, everyone, I, I feel like if you played video games that period of time, you've seen that in credits.
1: Yeah. And it's like, oh, OK, all those people are gone. And then even like the artist uh, for the games that don't look like that, don't look like Han's work. Uh, Suzuki's uh, games, you got Radiant Silver Gun, Sin and Punishment, and Nicaruga. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. so the other stuff in that completely different style is also gone. So, you know, I don't know. Right. What do you, right. what do you have left? And it's such a fascinating company too, because like they have a company, they had a company president, but it's like, okay, that's just someone who like signs off on the final product for the most part. Um, Interesting. Cause yeah. this is like, they had at their largest, they had 30 people working there and they would bring in contractors or partner with someone like Nintendo for, for some bigger games. Um,
0: it feels like, it feels like sort of the, like a vision of the kind of like, I don't, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can say it and be like over kind of overblown about it, but I think it also is this version of, I don't know, not, not artistic, uh, communes or something like that, but a sort of like worker owned space where it's like, yeah, we're, we're all just worker owned is also too, too big. It's just basically like a space where you're like, yeah, look, we we make a bunch of creative decisions and we have people up at the top that are the executives and they make the executive decisions. But the art we make is is our choice to make it, Um, which feels rare, not just in video games, but kind of anywhere.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's right, though. Um, It's like Magawa State Company president because someone had to be president, you know, and like he did fine in the role. So he was one of the original founders and he's he's stuck there this whole time. Um, but yeah, there was a, you know, everything was very interesting. I don't think there was a real hierarchy in the company and people just kind of worked on the projects they wanted to work on. Um, so like Suganami made alien soldier by himself Wow. for a while until it was finally like, Oh, the Sega Saturn's already out and this game's not finished. I should ask someone else. I should ask someone else to help me develop this thing. <laughs> so then they, you know, they, they finished it, but he was like, I think the game is like I don't know twenty five stages long with twenty six or twenty seven bosses or something because the whole thing is bosses. Um, right. But he originally wanted it to be a hundred stages long with a hundred bosses, and so he, wow. he just kind of gets oh the like, oh my god, yeah, it's he, like bubble bubble. He just gets to the end of the he gets to the end of the develop like the the life cycle of the the genesis, and it's like, oh, I should finish this, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it, it's that kind of thing where he was left alone to like. Make that game. And no one said, Mm -hmm. hey, you shouldn't make that game. You should try making one. You'll finish. I think that's carried over, too, um, because Iuchi works for M2 now. Uh, Apologies if I'm not pronouncing his name correctly, by the way. Um, That's again, it's not one I have heard out loud. Um, That's okay. But he works for M2. I think people appreciate that. He's been developing a shoot like a spiritual successor to Radiant Silver Gun and Nicaruga with M2. For like eight years now. <laughs> but he because they're doing it on the side in between all the other projects. Now, yeah. M2 is attached to roughly 4,700 releases a year. <laughs> so there's not a lot of in between other things where he can do this. But like, obviously, that's a carryover from the treasure days where it's just like, yeah, I'm just I'm working on this one. Like, I'll, I'll it'll it'll when happen I eventually,
0: you know. Right. Yeah. Almost like a labor of love.
1: Yeah. And, and like all the games were like that. Um, Nintendo, Nintendo got mad at treasure when they were making the first sin and punishment. Cause I think treasure had like three guys working on it and Nintendo's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't put three people on a game. This isn't, this isn't 1982. And they're like, we're going to put three guys in a game. It's fine. And then they upped it to six or 10 or whatever it was like for, the, sure, for sure. the last, but it's like, that's just how treasure operated. Like people would work on their vision until it got to the point where it was like, okay, we need to finish it. We need to see it through. And then people would come off of other projects, and you mentioned Rare earlier. I feel like that happened with a lot of Rare games too. Um, sure, you know, you get it, the core team, and then it expand when it needed to.
0: It kind of speaks to the the the, the disappointment in, in at least in my feeling. Maybe maybe other. I actually I know other people really liked it, so maybe I'm I'm alone in this. But Sea of Thieves never felt like a Rare game to me. It felt like. I mean, it felt like a big studio made it right. Like it didn't it didn't hit me in that same way because it wasn't quirky and kind of like I used to think maybe that was just because it had bugs or nostalgia and stuff. But there is this like the fact that if you have a small group of people working on it, it's going to be more idiosyncratic by necessity.
1: Yeah, I mean, Blast Core is a game rare made that was literally just oh my like God,
0: that is a wild. a game. handful
1: of people. Who, you know, like, and I'm not saying every game should be made like that. And Rare definitely had some crunch issues um, that probably didn't seem like it in 97. But it was like, hey, look what we get to do. It doesn't matter if I don't sleep or eat. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it's that same idea of, like, this is is my little vision. This is what I'm going to make. And I do think it's very analogous to, like, how indie stuff works today, where it's like, our studio has six people. That is how many people our studio can have. Right, so right, like right. we'll get there when we get there the way we want to and can.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting. So why don't we? I'm gonna to start doing this so people don't immediately have. Apparently, we had an ad for NFTs on here the other day. I can't control how they show up, but I sure hope there wasn't another one of those anytime recently. Uh, we're gonna take a break here, and we will pick up in a second with Mark's top ten. Uh, excerpts from i don't know we haven't talked about this i don't know if you're gonna share your whole top 10 with me i don't Uh, Yeah, i probably 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 shouldn't shouldn't. yeah probably shouldn't okay so share share highlights with me of the top 10 uh when we get back welcome back uh hopefully you enjoyed that uh planned commercial break as opposed to stopping in the middle of a sentence where my poor producer has to find a spot um Mark, you ranked these games and you told me that you ranked them and it was kind of difficult to uh, to get a top 10 together. I- explain the difficulty for me.
1: There's more than 10 that I want to rank.
0: Yeah, that's okay. really that's, that's the issue. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, it's one of those things where like, I think when I write I mean, I'm going to write about like the best treasure games. um, And I don't. I probably I'm not going to do like a rank. I don't think I'm going to do a ranking where I'm like, this is number 10. This is number nine. Okay, but I'm going to do that myself beforehand and then not share, you know, not show my work. Right. Um, Right. So the difficulty (laughs) is in figuring out, like, well, I don't want to leave this off. So maybe I should just make all of the Bangayo game. Maybe I should just say Bangayo in like one Outing, so I'm not talking about that. There's two different versions of the first one, and that All some right, people explain. Ban Gaia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's like a it's like an old 80s style, um, kind of like Japanese PC shoot, uh, shooter game where you you, know, you uh, it's a it's a twin stick shooter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you fire in eight directions. You move around. You blow tons of stuff up. There's a boss at the end of each stage. In the first game there's 44 stages and I think in uh the DS one there's like exponentially more than that. Um <laughs> it's like they just went all out because they made that more of like each one is like a puzzle to be solved instead of just uh like get to the end defeat boss. It's like you need to blow up these things to make this happen, to blow up these to get here, you know, sort of thing. So if you mess up you get to replay it. And, right. Um but yeah, it's, it's it seems like it's very old school when you look at it. And even even your little uh, your little mech sprite, it's not like a, you're not you're flying in a huge mech. But on the screen, it's very tiny, you know.
0: Right. Sort of like a very kind of Astianix sort of looking. Uh, I don't know why astianics is always <laughs> my go to, but it is. And it always will. It's going to be, be somebody's. Um, you know? Yeah, it's got to be. It's no one else's. It's not a, <laughs> you, not a particularly good game. You claim that. God, I just, it's stuck in my memory forever. <laughs> if it's not, if it's not Gradius, it's, uh, it's Astyanax.
1: I do love um, Gradius. We'll talk about Gradius soon. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you've got this little, this little tiny robot and they make very big explosions. Um, and it's, one of the things that's cool about it is you put yourself in danger on purpose and then you, you can cause more destruction OK, so you can you have like these charge shots that you can build up by doing destruction elsewhere and collecting fruit. You blow up buildings and then there's like oranges and apples and things like that that you correct, collect okay. and you get points.
0: Very random. Because, again,
1: this is a very 1980 style game, yeah. uh, except bigger and different, because that's what that's what Treasure did is they would take an established convention and then they would do something ridiculous to it uh, that kind of like subverted whatever genre it was, whatever your expectations were, and often came up with something. That was like an all timer within the genre. Um, no big deal, you know. Just a, <laughs> just to yeah, manage to do perfect. that.
0: So, just a, just a, just a, uh, a remarkable feat.
1: <laughs> so, for example, uh, if you do your little charge attack with these missiles, uh, which takes like a second to charge, you shoot forty of them. But if like enemy missiles happen to be coming right towards you, you can shoot up to four hundred of them at a time. Do you know what happens to your N sixty four or your Dreamcast <laughs> if you shoot four hundred? fucking missiles at the same time
0: yeah uh it's it's the same thing that happens when you try and run a paradox game on a potato <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> the whole thing just locks up right um but it's awesome <laughs> like people <laughs> are hardcore
1: gaming 101 i forget who it might have been kurt collada um but essentially said like people have been trained to think that slowdown is a sign of like poor development or a poor system it's like but no <laughs> Tre- treasure was like trying to they were trying to break it you yeah. <laughs> know, and they did. Yeah. They were like, how can we what is the literal maximum we can do without the game just locking up in the system catching fire?
0: I really like I really like this as an idea because like it it speaks to kind of what people want from a mech game, which is like I want to do the circus thing. Uh, I want to do circusing from uh, from Gundam. I want to do that now. <laughs> and i want that to be my experience. It's like, well, in order to do that, we're going to have to break this system. It is
1: incredible if you let if you let a boss's missiles get very close to you and you are close enough for your missiles to home to home in on them and you shoot them <laughs> with 400 at the same time. You, know, you just the whole time the screen is locked up, you're like, oh, that guy's screwed, you know.
0: And it's it's almost like a strategy terrible. game at that point.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Um so there there are four of those games and the last one's whatever it's it's like the weakest of them um okay it was on the 360 and it was like nice that they made it there's nothing wrong with it it's just like compared to the others it's uh inessential Uh, so i want to put all of them in like one spot because i don't want to write about i don't want to write about the game multiple times you know and it also allows me to do something like ooh, now i have room for like dynamite heady or whatever which has been forgotten enough by time that i don't need to forget about it in in this article you know
0: so why don't you I know you don't want to share all of them. Why don't we pick so we sort of talked about I mean I, I think that one made a lot of sense. Can we talk about maybe like three others and then one you left off the list? I don't wanna I don't wanna add to like I just want you to talk about the ones that excite you.
1: Oh sure, yeah. Well, um this this will be good. No one no one can be upset at me for unveiling this early because I already included <laughs> I already included both of them on the Nintendo Top 101.
0: Well, hopefully then they would make the Treasure 101.
1: Yeah, I think the, what is it, the 12th best Nintendo game ever would make the top 10 treasure. I imagine if it didn't, though. You know? That would be wild. <laughs> that
0: would be wild. What you The claim you would be making.
1: She's <laughs> like, I'm sorry, this is better than literally every game Nintendo has ever made. There's someone out there who <laughs> believes that, but, like, I don't want to be friends with that person, probably, so.
0: You might. Uh, they might I have, have a lot in common with
1: you. Uh, I don't know, man um <laughs> Listen, I love Treasure, but there are there are limits to everything. Um, so yeah, uh, Sin and Punishment Star Successor, which is Sin and Punishment Two, essentially. Um, although I don't think Treasure ever puts a two in any of their sequels. You know, there's always just like some word differentiator or subtitle. So uh-huh. Sin and Punishment Star Successor, um, that is a super super overlooked uh, Wii game. And the reason I say that is because uh, it doesn't have a hundred percent attach rate. Right. And it should, because it's, it's incredible. It's uh, one of my absolute favorite games on that system. You know, I put it in the rankings ahead of like super Mario galaxy right. and right. <laughs> twilight princess and, you know, almost everything on the Wii. Um It's one of the absolute best games in the system. Uh, it's a sequel to sin and punishment. As I, Probably said, uh, but they really, to you know, we talked about earlier, they really took advantage of a system's uh, strengths and weaknesses. So Sin and Punishment was uh, an on rail shooter designed for the very weird N64 controller that I, I love very much. Right. Um, but like, admitted, I've
0: also, since we, since we talked about it, actually, I've come to really appreciate the N64 controller as well. Oh,
1: that makes me so happy. Such like <laughs> a...
0: It, it tried so hard and did so much different.
1: which just yeah. cool. <laughs> it's so, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot to like about it. I think when, you know, when you play something that understands what it could do, then it's like, ah, okay. And like treasure yeah. is great for that sort of thing. So,
0: oh yeah, 100%.
1: Um, so it was like, okay, so the, the, Wii is set up different than the N64, you know, and the, the, on the N64 you had, you know, it's like, oh, we have this analog stick and this directional pad and the Z trigger, uh, and the shoulder buttons. And the C-Sticks, you know, it's it's very weird. And you could like play, you could hold in different configurations and play in a way that you ne- you really didn't play anything else. Um, like if you wanted to do left and middle, which is just like not a configuration you often saw uh, on the N64 controller. You know, they had kind of less hoops to jump through to to figure out how to make a Sin and Punishment game work on the on the Wii. Because it's like, well, it's an yep. on-real shooter when we have an IR remote. Like, we've solved it. Yeah. <laughs> But they also made it so you can like fly around the screen the whole time and run around on the ground depending on like what buttons you press. So there's still a lot going on there. And they also made the game exponentially longer and harder.
0: Uh, Which is good.
1: Yeah. I mean, the original Sin and Punishment is a tough game. I know there are people who at the time were like, this is way too easy. And it's like, okay, man, you don't have to brag. Like, we know you're good at video games. (laughs) That's fine. It's a tough game, you know? Um, you can get it you can get to it through and through it with practice but sin and punishment the star successor is is much more difficult and has uh, a fully fleshed out co-op mode instead of just like the little helper one where you can control a second um like weak shot mm. um yeah that's i mean it's one of <laughs> i'm not revealing which where that would rank
0: no no but high up i would imagine high up there very high yes
1: um, it's, it's one of their absolute best and, uh, basically kind of their swan song, I think at this point, if you're talking about like original works, because the only things after that were the, uh, the Xbox 360 Bangio sequel I mentioned and, uh, two licensed games. So it's like it, the last big original work is one of the like three best games they've ever done three or four best games they've ever done.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I, I always like that. I always like when the swan song, it, it, It's there's a kind of melancholy joy to that.
1: Yeah, it's really the last one where most of the game was still together. Not all of it, but most of it. And you had, like, they worked with Nintendo SPD on the game, too, so you could fill in the blanks, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure, of course.
0: So Sin and Punishment, one of the, one of the sort of the classic cult games at this point. Oh. What else? I mean, did they do... So, did they do any, like, more recognizable franchises? Did they do, like, anything that... I I, I know some of these answers, but I'm asking them. <laughs> in the idea that I do not. Uh, anything that, like, is a little bit more sort of like, okay, at the time, people loved this. Or people, like, expected something of this because it was a known quantity.
1: <laughs> it's funny. I was gonna say, well, Ikaruga is probably one of their <laughs> biggest, like, games that blew up, but people didn't like it when it came out. <laughs>
0: Which is unbelievable.
1: Perfect oh, game. Shoot-em-up enthusiasts, like the real hardcore ones, would argue that it's not even a shoot-em-up. You know, oh, that it's more of a puzzle game. But Who cares? Th- but that's what, great. Ha- that's what happens when you subvert expectations and oh, change okay, so up a genre, good. you know? So the fact that people think it's not a straight shoot-em-up is a strength of it, because it really... It, it literally changed the game. You know, um, it built yep, on the yep. changes Radiant Silver Gun made. Because Radiant Silver Gun was like, okay, you are so used to shooting everything. Everything that appears on screen. What if you scored more points by not shooting everything? Which is like, okay, so now I have to pay attention to what I'm shooting and I have to take careful shots um, to make this work. And it's like, well, what's the penalty? If I shoot everything, my high score won't be as high. And it's like, oh, the your score is tied to the strength of your weapons. Oh, that's so cool. So, you have to play if you just decide to blow away everything in Radiant Silvergun, your weaponry will not be strong enough to defeat the last the last uh, boss. Which is like <laughs> a five or six stage. Like the whole level is just a battle against that. Is it, we, it timed too? Uh, no, but other boss fights are timed. And if okay. you do, they will self-destruct if you do not beat them within the time. And if they self-destruct, you do not get a destruction bonus. And you do not get the bonus points on top of that for having defeated all the like various segments of the bosses. So if you don't play the game the way it's meant to be played, you will never, fi- you will never finish the game, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. So it That's really cool. forced you to kind of reprogram to play. And Ikaruga built on top of that by being like, okay, not only do you not want to destroy everything that shows up on screen... You also want bullets to hit you. <laughs> Which
0: is just like. <laughs> it's so great. I understand
1: why people are flipping tables or whatever.
0: And so it's it's like, great because like once you realize that you do want the bullets to hit you and it makes you like stronger and it raises your score. It's like, OK, no, this this rules like it is. It is a puzzle game, but like who cares? It's yeah. a perfect puzzle game.
1: I played for the first time in a while. Um on tuesday and i got to like stage four i think there were five stages i got to stage four yep. and i right before i like ran out of lives i had a max chain and i just it keeps uh. popping up on screen every time it's like max chain max chain max chain with every kill and i'm just like oh my god just the way this game feels is so important this is this is you, this is why you super. play it the right way you know yeah not just because oh, it says like yeah. you get a c plus after the level or whatever if you completed it but did a shitty job of playing Garuga. Um,
0: it just feels good.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so different. And. Um, yeah, so obviously that makes it it's, it's just incredible that. uh, It's incredible that that didn't resonate with every I understand why I really do. Um, well, it's, it's
0: because, I mean, you're, you're looking at I think what's interesting about treasure is like every game we're talking about, right? Are these games that are so they're games that are always subverting things, but they're also games that are so like specifically beloved by their um fan bases, right? So mm-hmm. you're talking about shoot 'em ups or uh, yeah, you're talking about shoot-ups, you're talking about um mech games, you're talking about the combination of the two, of course. You're talking about uh we, we already mentioned mischief makers, so you're talking about side scrollers. Like these are these are like people will like flip tables over the the honor of these um of these genres, right? Like, that's that's kind of, like, what we're looking at here. We're looking at genres that are sacrosanct to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Treasure is is pursuing them, or rail shooters too, honestly. And, uh, and, and Treasure's pursuing them in an effort to, like, do something different with them. So, like, it's surprising there's not more hate towards Treasure out there. I've never heard people re- remember this company without some sense of fondness. <laughs> Unless they worked for Sega
1: of America. well Well, yes you keep seeing these interviews that have been unearthed recently or recently translated or found or anything and essentially people at treasure are going like oh we didn't like they'll be interviewed by some american magazine some american Uh games Uh magazine and they're like wow gunstar heroes are you ever going to do a sequel everyone who has played it here thinks it's amazing it sold hundreds of thousands of copies and you can see the whoever that's being interviewed for treasure being like it it is it did (laughs) No one ever communicated that to us. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> That's so strange.
1: Yeah, and Alien Soldier didn't get released in, it got like a Sega Channel release uh, in North America, oh. but it didn't get a physical release in North America because everyone who worked in that office except for one person was like, nah, this isn't going to sell a billion copies, so it's not even worth doing. So weird. Especially weird because no work needed to be done on it. It's in English.
0: It released in Europe. I mean, also, how much of a... I mean, how much do you have to actually translate of Alien Soldier? It's not a text-heavy yeah. game. Yeah,
1: I, I haven't played the Japanese version, but I'm pretty sure it probably says Stage 5 in English, because Japanese games have so many English words in them anyway. Yep. Radiant Silver Gun, all of the... None of the words spoken in Japanese have subtitles, but when that god crystal talks to you, it's all in English.
0: Yeah, there you go. So easy enough, right? Yeah. (laughs) Oh but oh
1: yeah. Um stuff like that. Just reading all that, you kinda understand why they eventually were like, I don't know, the Nintendo sixty four really intrigues me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I imagine they thought that, yes. Yeah. Um so talk about let's let's talk about something on the N sixty four. I won't make it mischief makers if you don't want it to be. Do they have anything else in the N64?
1: Well, we already talked about Sin and Punishment and Bang Io, so that is all three.
0: Ah, well, okay. Then let's talk about what you want to talk about. Anything at all.
1: <laughs> um, Oh, I should talk about one that didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> Wario World did not
0: make it. Oh, wow. It. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so why didn't you include Wario World? You know, it's a lot of fun. You just hate mini games. That's your problem. No, no, no. That's micro games. I'm, or- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, micro games. No, you're right. That, that's,
1: that's correct. Uh, Wario World is the only one of those games that's not a Wario Land. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only 3D one. It's a lot of fun. It's a it's like a it's a platformer brawler essentially because Wario just runs around like punching and kicking and throwing enemies. That's right. It's a treasure platformer with a throw gimmick. <laughs> Um, it's a lot of fun, but it's also like the tops. It is the fourth best Wario platformer. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, sure. Like, that's like the most you have to be into the weirdness of this game for that to take hold.
0: Well, it's Um, like playing. um, It's like playing. uh, What is that game called? Uh, Oh, gosh, I need to figure I need to remember what it's called. Um. It is uh Steam, because it's in my library. <laughs> um it's and it starts with V uh let's see here. It is Vanquish. It's like playing Vanquish, oh. um, which is great, but then if you're playing other like platinum games, because Vanquish is platinum, yeah. Yes. Um if you're playing other platinum games, like I don't I, I certainly don't like it as much as I like whoa, whoa. near Automata. But whoa. So well, I know, but like, it's a great <laughs> game. It's also like, well, if I'm ranking it against some of my favorite games of all time, then like, it's it's tricky, and, and that's where you're at right now.
1: Vanquish might be my favorite platinum game.
0: Really, yeah. really? Oh, I guess I need to replay Vanquish then, because i, well, I maybe no, I'm a, a sico,
1: um, for exactly what it is putting down. So, um, because it's, I I have described Vanquish as over the shoulder Dodoan Pachi. OK, interesting. So that's where I'm at with it. You know, like <laughs> that,
0: that is a really interesting perspective. But I, I I
1: support it. It is a third person bullet hell shooter with time manipulation.
0: I mean, it's a great game. Listen, <laughs> it's very, very good. No,
1: but, um, I, it, that, I don't know if it's my favorite platinum game. I haven't really thought about that because that is a big question. That's
0: a big think. question. Well, that could be your next question.
1: Yeah, I'll, save um, it. I'll save it for their 20th anniversary or whatever. There but, you
0: go. All right. Exactly. But it,
1: genu- uh, it genuinely is one of my favorites of theirs. Well,
0: okay. Then, then Yeah. I mean, like, I think, I think like maybe a better version, even with the platinum thing would be like to say, uh, revengeance, right? Like for some people, revengeance is their top metal gear game yeah. for others. It's not right. But it, it, that's like, that's a more divisive question than, you know, is, uh, that's a more divisive question than thinking about like, um, thinking about uh something like um uh, radiant silver gun in some ways because you don't have to deal with the baggage of the um franchise as well
1: yeah no i think i think uh revengeance is a good is a good selection for what you're saying there like a good comp point where it's like wow this is great even though it's like two it's two great flavors that i did not know should be together
0: (laughs) right exactly exactly yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah exactly and like i i think like when you get that it's like it's always hard to be like, do I, I I might've had more fun playing this. Do I, do I like it better than, than Metal Gear Solid two? Probably not. But like, is that bad? Is that good? What does it mean? that Like that kind of stuff is, is tough. Uh, so I can understand why you sort of left off on WarioWare there.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think WarioWare world, World, not
0: WarioWare. (laughs) We keep saying WarioWare and that's why.
1: (laughs) It's because WarioWare is great and is like entrenched in our brain. It's just living in there waiting so that, uh, you know, whenever I really need a to play Oh, new like, one, oh, the new ones are a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it's it's a little different because it's more like free form and the characters move in different ways and actually mm. appear on the screen. But the it's because the premise is that they got sucked into um, the new games Wario was making. So they're like in the game playing the games themselves, you know, Um there's like a million ways that could have gone wrong. But
0: yeah, yeah, really good. So then, talk to me about um, what's a good one to go for? Oh, that's I know my, that's another my cat one. That didn't make- not
1: me. That it's so <laughs> clear.
0: Mark's Mark's got some proclivities. It's good. It's <laughs> it's fine. We we support him. Um, uh, okay. So my question is. oh, Okay, I know another one that you left off, or that you may be left off. That was on the bubble uh, that you could talk about because it is another interesting thing, which is a licensed game. Ah, yeah. Astro Boy.
1: Oh yeah, Omega Omega Factor. It's a it's a real fun game, and it's so much better. You know, it got like no play uh, in the media originally compared to like the PlayStation Two Astro Boy that came out, mm-hmm. um, which everyone forgot about because it's not very good. <laughs> um, or I can't. I don't even remember if it's not very good. It's just like completely overshadowed for me by the um, the Treasure right, White. Right. Um, but yeah, that's like. So treasures licensed games are often they're really well made. Treasures so talented, they really are. It's not just their imagination; like they are super technically prof- or more super technically proficient. They really did push games, uh, games and systems to their limits.
0: Um, it's amazing to see like screenshots of it on the Game Boy Advance too. Yeah, well, they love their thirty, you know, it's a thirty-two bit system. Yeah, and that's neat. I think people because
1: it looks like. Uh, because there were so many SNES ports and SNES looking sprites, I think people maybe don't always consider it to be like a 32 bit system, but you know, it, it, it is like, that's how it was designed. So you could do more with the same, you know, you could make the kinds of games that would have been made on the SNES if they like kept going and pushing it. Well, I guess they did in Japan. Um But other than like Kirby's Dream 3, I feel like we didn't get a lot of that. In North America, for like, actually, this is what the system can do, sort of stuff, you know.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally see what you're saying, and like, it's it's funny that those games are often like at the end of the. I mean, it makes total sense, of course, because like when you're pushing the limit of the system, um, uh, your um, your work is gonna kind of be at the end of its life. Um, but it is a like it is a weird that a lot of those games that really push the limits are like yeah like no one played this one yeah it's a change. It's almost
1: like we should have once once we've hit this period where it's like we have we understand the limits of what the system could do we're going to spend the next 18 months doing that <laughs> you know yeah the next 18 months to two years or whatever it, obviously a longer depth cycle now but like i wish that in the in the 90s that have been the case where it's like okay no new technology yet Let's push this as far as we can go. I mean, look at right. like look at like the Game Boy and Game Boy Color and all that. All the all the like cool games that came out in there, the innovation, the things to work like workarounds uh, for technological limitations and everything. That was yeah. all. That was all like old hardware, you know. That was eight bit stuff in a sixteen bit world. Just like the Game Boy Advance was thirty two. That's a thirty two bit system that debuted after the N sixty four had already retired, you know. Um, you know
0: and and like I mean you think about stuff like, like the games like um I think a lot about Mega Man 4 on the NES like mm-hmm. kind of living in like just in the shadow of um in the shadow of the uh, the release of the SNES. It's just like I don't know like they're they're fascinating little like fin de Cicla kind of moments. Um, I wish I wish we sort of knew more about them, I guess.
1: yeah, yeah
0: um. Ugh. I like just I could talk about the
1: I wish people stayed on consoles longer thing for for so long. Um Oh, but uh, so Treasure is super technically proficient, or was. Um and so games like Astro Boy, you could only they could they couldn't they had to leave out the weirdness, you know, mm. and like the real like genre pushing kind of stuff they did. Right. Um because it was a licensed game. And it was <laughs> It right, of the, course. It was the thing that got them the check, so that they could make the ridiculous thing. Um,
0: and the ridiculous thing was sin and punishment.
1: No, I think Astro Boy was two thousand three. Uh, so then it was like, okay, now we're going to make our like sequels to Guardian Heroes and oh, Gunstar okay, right, Heroes, right, right, and yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do more Bang I O, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, so Astro Boy is it's it's great and it's a really good beat em up kind of game. Uh but like it's 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 missing that extra it's missing the other part of what tre- made Treasure amazing.
0: Mm, um yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have yeah, it's not breaking boundaries. It's like yeah. it's a, it's perfectly done um it's a kind of like a perfectly conceived um I don't know, like a perfectly formed... Uh, what's, the, what's the... It's like a perfect Grecian art, right? Like, it's it's a it's a piece of art well-crafted.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. It's a great game, and I did consider it, but it was just kind of like, as the list came together and I was already making all these sacrifices, <laughs> it's like, well, sorry. Sorry, Astro Boy. Once again, you've yeah. been left behind.
0: Fair enough. Now, without revealing maybe your number one, what's the one you most are excited about to talk about that isn't going to ruin your paste article?
1: Hmm. Oh boy. Uh probably Alien Soldier. Okay. Uh it's not it's not going to be it's not number one or anything. It's just it's such an absurd premise for a game. It's kind of a distillation of everything Treasure is great at. Mm. Um all just like rolled into this one game that barely anybody played and no one wanted to release
0: interesting interesting yeah. so, so
1: i'm excited to talk about like it's like everyone who kept this from being a bigger deal than it was is my enemy
0: you know? so so like what what do you mean by that like how how hard was this to get released well this is the one i was saying no
1: one it, only one person in the sake of america wanted to release it hmm. um I, I i wish i remember who who tweeted out an image of this story from uh, a magazine or a book or something but it went to everyone who worked at Sega of America who could, like, make decisions about, like, oh, I'm going to localize this game and we're going to, you know, this, this we're going to do this. It went to everyone and everyone just passed on it. And oh, my God, the last guy played it for two minutes through the controller and said, this is game. This is a game of the year <laughs> and was so angry at everyone in the office. It's amazing, yeah.
0: And he pushed to get it, like so. That's how it got released. I think that's how it ended up on
1: the Sega Channel was just, but they wouldn't give right. it a physical release.
0: Oh, that's incredible. So, yeah, just
1: man, what a what a loss. You know, we ended up getting it on the the Virtual Console uh, on the Wii as one of like the import uh, titles, and it's been included yep. in some collections. I think since Sega's pretty good about making sure that their treasure stuff uh, makes it now, but I think that's because like sega of america doesn't hold power here anymore you know what i mean like <laughs> you have no power <laughs> yeah, <like> sega <laughs> sega of japan is sega so yeah yeah right exactly
0: yeah and sega of japan seems like more interested in the weird stuff to begin with which is why sega yeah. is getting more kind of interesting at this point anyway
1: yeah yeah it's sega of america was
0: weird uh
1: in a lot of ways yeah i'd say so <laughs> reading, reading that interview with one of the former CEOs who is who straight up admitted that like they didn't care about the 32 X, but they needed to make it look like they had a 32 bit system. So it's like so you have a 32 bit system on the way, but you are wasting both marketing and development resources on this thing you're going to charge people money for and they'll lose confidence in good. This is a good plan, idiot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like having them actually it's like, no, no, we know what the mistake was, but we thought it was a good idea and did it anyway. But you identified the problem and then you purposely.
0: I hate you. What did you do? (laughs) I, I think like I think what's so fascinating about treasure and like hearing you talk about treasure, right, is that it's like. It it evokes this sort of emotional response, mm-hmm. which I, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of games. I you know, I've been I've been doing like a couple of Patreon episodes here and there about um Elden Ring, just like stuff that came up like in thinking about it, right? And I liked Elden Ring a lot. I beat it, I I I really enjoyed it. I don't know if I feel the kind of passion for it I feel for other, you know, even other souls games, like even mm-hmm. the demon souls. And part of the reason for, is that it's just because of like the audacity of the thing, right? Like seeing something so audacious and so impressive and so like unproven and then just like thrown out there. Right. No, no safety net. You like, you do want to see it succeed. It's like when people talk about like, you know, TV shows, they wish got a second season or something like that. Right. Like, yeah, just, yeah. it's this, it's this, and I, you, I can hear in what you're saying, like, like even just talking about dynamite Heady, it's just like, um, you're just like, yeah, like, Uh, That game got forgotten and for no good reason. Yeah,
1: it's just like. It's a beautiful it's beautiful sprite work. It Mm -hmm. is weird. It has a good hook. It's a really fun game to play. And it just kind of. You know, if you buy whatever Sega collections it's on, like, oh, cool, it's there. If you had it on virtual console, like, oh, cool, it's there. But like on a like society level of video games, you're like, Dynamite heady. what's that?
0: Yeah, it's odd, right? Like it is, it is a weird. I don't know. I so let me ask you, instead of instead of uh I don't know, I'm just looking up pictures of Dynamite Heady now. <laughs> uh it, just like, you know, instead of instead of me sort of like asking uh, leading questions or something like that, let me ask you, like, so what what do you think is sort of the the legacy of something like treasure today? Like obviously we have a you know, we, we could talk about the the nature of video game development or whatever and and it's in a weird place as we sort of started out saying but what is kind of like in, in thinking about treasure doing a retrospective on treasure what is the the legacy of this studio specifically like what what is what is the point we can take from it uh as people now oh boy <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a big question it is a big um, question
1: well it's so fascinating is like the time that they existed doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, no, so I don't. I don't really that's know. An interesting point. Like, I don't know if there's a lesson to pull in that regard. I mean, there's like a "man, shoot your shot" kind of lesson when it comes to <laughs> what you want to do in game development. Like, don't hold back. In right, you right. know, treasure's big thing. I, th- I think they didn't care about say, like, they cared about the sales of their licensed games.
0: Yeah. They no, that's very true. It's yes. like they
1: didn't care. You know, you said you don't know if they considered themselves artists, but I would say that they were trying to they were trying to make art, uh, not in like a big philosophical sense, but in like they just wanted to make cool shit and hoped some people liked it.
0: Well, they were doing they were doing the Scorsese thing, right? Like one for them, one for me. Yeah. Sort
1: of yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the um uh oh god, Mad Max guy. Uh, George oh uh,
0: yeah, George. Yeah, yeah, you George know,
1: it's Miller. like one March of the Penguins here, one Mad Max Fury Road here, right? Not March sure, of the Penguins. Right. Uh, what was what was the one he did with Penguins? Little Feet. No, can't remember. Maybe it was Little. I don't know.
0: <laughs> he did it. He, did, he does <laughs> That's the movie. only other Penguin one I can remember. He did <laughs> a <laughs> Penguin movie, and he also did Fury Road. So, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is this is uh, right. Yeah, so you look at it. That's interesting. Like it is, it is this sense of um, of inconsistency that I think people reject now right like the idea is that anything worth your time should have a consistency to it It should be consistently good right Mm -hmm. and whether or not that consistency is sort of a slurry of consistency and i don't mean to beat up on on marvel movies too much or whatever i i like you know i like comic books i'm not like Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm not trying to like not trying to be holier than thou about that kind of thing but you know there there is a way in which Comic book movies have become have like leaned into that slurry philosophy of like, hey, it's good because it's part of the brand. Like, you know, you know what you're getting.
1: Well, they're they're um, they the open world of movies, right? Moment, you know, so yes,
0: that's right. And yeah, open world games are like that, too. Like, I think in in the ways that I think Elden Ring, for instance, excels, it's it's in ways that it is not particularly an open world game or or does something quite different than an open world game. Right. Um, So, yeah, no, I think, I don't know, like, I think the, the level of which treasure does the inconsistent thing, right? Like both in terms of what it produces and um, what it kind of promises its players, uh, you know, you never really know what to expect. That is something that if I'm taking anything from your analysis here, I would love to see from, from other developers. I would love to see them kind of ape in, in, in treasures um, wake
1: yeah. Do we have, do we have an indie developer who's kind of,
0: who's I mean, kind of like that where it's just like, we're we doing, have, we're doing what we want. I guess we have like distributors a little bit like, um, I, I, I don't even want to say like devolver cultivates that image, but I'm, I, I feel like devolver is, is far more cultivated and like brand oriented than, than we're talking about here. Um, (laughs) I'm
1: thinking about treasure. You can barely parse the credits of their game sometimes because they just gave themselves fake names or nicknames or yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I don't
0: don't even mean it in like a bad devolver puts out some really amazing games too. Like I'm not, you know, it's, it is, but it, it exists in our time. As you say, like the time has passed, Mm -hmm. maybe something like, you know, like he's been on the show, so you can take it with a grain of salt, but uh, From me, anyway, I I think I, I think this is true. But someone like um, like Jack King Spooner uh, mm. or, or Pedro Paiva, uh, both people who've been on the show, um, who just put out a lot of stuff, and a lot of it is on itch, and like some of it is like extremely well received, like um, Duhana uh, by by uh, Jack King Spooner. Is something a lot of people have played, and a lot of people have praised. Um, but he's also released like eight other games that are worth your time in in different ways and and interesting and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe like the itch.io series creators who don't expect much.
1: That's actually an interesting point is like the time is different, but the time is different in ways that are also positive Mm, uh because like I said, you know, an hour ago, whatever, like the, the barriers to entry are so much lower.
0: Yeah. True. To Do
1: what you want to do.
0: Publishers. Right. (laughs) You don't have to, you don't have to be a. Uh, you don't have to be a. Uh, you have to team up with a Nintendo to get your game out there.
1: Yeah, and you don't have to be like, okay, we're gonna do these like three Bleach fighting games. Not that there's anything wrong with them, and they're good fighting games, you know, because mm-hmm. Treasure made them and they can make good fighting games, you know. Um, but it's like you don't have to spend with your small roster of like eighteen people making these Bleach games so that you can make the one game you want to make.
0: Right. Yeah, and and th- th- there's a way of thinking about that where. You know it's bad because it's not the kind of hyper focus that you get from uh, from treasure that we talked about being so important, right? Because mm-hmm. now all your team can work on whatever. But also, you, I mean, it's hard not to set not to think, like, God, wouldn't it have been cool if the whole team could have worked on like a Gunstar Heroes or something like that? Wouldn't yeah. it have been great if they had, if they were able to have that kind of focus, just because like they were allowed the time? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Like that's yeah. Uh, you're right. I mean, maybe maybe the lesson from treasure is that inconsistency in trying things and and taking risks and stuff like that doesn't have to be good just in its own terms or in the sort of like corporate corporatized terms of like, you know, think outside of the box, take risks. Like taking risks can literally mean like, you know, making a game that you're not sure can be produced or making Mm -hmm. a game that you're not sure like has an audience. Yeah. I mean, they they all had jobs at Konami during like
1: the pre Metal Gear Solid, pre Silent Hill, like golden age of Konami two D, you know, yeah, where they just everything they put out was like, wow, this is amazing, this is this is great. Always had a home for it. Always, always were purchased.
0: And well, now, listen, I, I mean, now they now it, it's it's true about um, it's true about Konami now too, but uh, in terms of its great Pachinko machines that everyone loves. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's like it's a really <laughs> hacky joke, but. Um, just like, I got to have one. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. And like, the, you know, the bravery to leave a job is always like, it. it everyone is always saying, you know, be careful because like not everyone can leave their job. Like be, be mindful of that fact. And I, I of course, dear listener, am very mindful of that fact. I live that fact. But <laughs> um, the, you know, the fact that they were willing to take that risk as devs, right? And like go out on their own and do these things. And you know, just the, the kind of like, idea of developing something like alien soldier on your own. There is a sort of audacity to it, if nothing mm-hmm. else, where like, I think, you know, the, the, again, not to bring it up, but like, it is sort of the game of the moment in a lot of discourse. Like, I think what a lot of people respond to with Elden Ring and why people are like, you know, sort of knee jerk saying it's the best souls or the best video game or whatever. Um, neither of which I think is particularly or like provably true or what, not provably, but like demonstratively true. Um, I think one of the reasons people are saying that is because it has an audacity to it, right? Like they, they went, they set out to do something kind of massive and, uh, and, and did it and, you know, and succeeded in, in many ways. And it is huge and it is like different and it is something, you know, that was a bit of a risk, you know, within the brand and it's, it's audacious or has that sense of audacity, even if it is not like, you know, like as audacious as releasing a 2d game in the height of 3d games. Um, (laughs) But, like, the the overarching quality of that audacity comes through, and I think, you know, maybe more games should try and be audacious as opposed to something like an Ubisoft game, which feels, like, very safe. In a, and not just safe in, like, a, oh, this has an audience, but safe in a, we've done this before, we'll do it again. Like, there's a formula that we need to follow. Um, this isn't trying to remake the wheel. Uh, maybe more remaking the wheel is, is not such a bad thing.
1: I wonder what it says about me and also video games kind of at large that some of my very favorite studios and very favorite games are made by people who had, who had jobs at very large developers and publishers and just like took off in the middle of the night, formed <laughs> their own studio
0: <laughs> and did what they wanted to do. I mean, uh, cause I think it pro- probably says the developers have always been a bit, um, <laughs> A bit uh, controlling.
1: <laughs> I think, uh, you know, because there's Treasure, you know, who we're obviously mm-hmm. talking about this whole time. Think of how much I love Monolith Soft. Sure. It's just a bunch of people who were like, so we're not going to get to make a second Xeno Gears, huh? You know? <laughs> and we're like, oh, so you just want us to make another Final Fantasy? We're leaving. <laughs> All of us are leaving. Um, and, you know, Love Delic popped up out of the same thing, and so did Skip. Uh, and uh, what are they now? Onion Games, you know, all those, mm, all those studios, yeah. all popped. Those are all former Square people, and Brownie Brown is former Square people who got tired of making Final Fantasy. Maybe the lesson here is just that people got tired of working for Square.
0: I think maybe, yeah, I mean, I think maybe that's the lesson. <laughs> and then also, that, like, but I think, I think it's true that, like, you know, we're stuck in this moment in culture where everything is a continuation of something else, right? Where, mm-hmm. I mean, this is the MCU, but it's also like comics before long before the marvel cinematic universe where this had this problem right where like you know we got it was a million um a million things of you know oh this is the this is the the scroll war and scroll war spider-man and this and that and everything will change and then you get you know the same books back again right <laughs> it's it there aren't and you look back and people are like oh i remember the 70s where like you know weird books would show up like i remember there was a brief howard the duck renaissance and and for reasonably so, it's a great comic. Actually, I, I love Steve Gerber's Howard the Duck. Um, but part of that renaissance was like, I couldn't publish this today. Like it's mm-hmm. bizarre. Like no one's publishing this. You'd have to do like an imprint of an imprint of an imprint. And and so like some of my favorite comics were always one shots or like things that were one offs or something like that. And same with film, right? Like I like films that that have their own contained story. And um, you know that that's not the case with um, with most most media. So like, I guess like my final point is like maybe part of what is so interesting about treasure is the, the containment of it. And I I guess I'd wonder what you think about that. Like how much of your favorite games rely on being stories that are told and then not abandoned, but sort of left um, to be their own thing, as opposed to being parts of other stories that are then sort of like built upon and built upon and built upon.
1: I know it's interesting, like late, kind of late in their career, they started to do sequels after saying they were not going to do anything. And there's a lot of like spiritual successor stuff. And even like guardian heroes kind of ties to gunstar heroes. But I also think if you didn't, if you picked up those games without any knowledge of the others, it wouldn't change your enjoyment in any way. So they still managed to be kind of self-contained, even as they like branched out a little bit and kind of made more, a more cohesive universe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we don't really have that. Um, it's Well, it's not that we don't have it. It's just it's it's so rare because everything has to be a sequel or a format we uh, recognize. Right. Uh, to, to jump back to Elden Ring for a second, um, so you're not the only one who's doing it. <laughs> um, You know, is that the best-selling one because it's the best one? Or is it the best-selling one because Souls as a concept is... Yeah. Has enough reach and uh, enough history at this point that it has been accepted, um, you know, in a way where it can sell twelve million copies or fourteen million copies or whatever whatever number it's at now, right? Um,
0: yeah, I mean that's like built on the back of built on the back of giants there, right? Like standing, it's you know released as its own thing. Who knows? But released with the with the sort of like heft of the idea of a souls game yeah 100 i mean it's going to sell a million copies 12 million 14 million
1: right? okay, now they need to make a they need to make an armored core souls game
0: they, they, they might really be working on it, it really might just happened. test
1: this theory <laughs>
0: <laughs> who knows armored core 5 who knows what it's going to look like maybe it'll have like uh maybe you'll lose like gears and stuff i don't know that's i shouldn't speak that evil into the world um, everyone
1: everyone is an actual mech there are no people piloting them the (laughs) mechs are alive and have sentience and you must you must rip apart the other mechs they're called tarnished now (laughs) (laughs) they're all a little rusty until you uh kill and you know kill them and take all their parts
0: (laughs) i guess you know it's i think i think you're right like there is there is this level at which it is you know continuity is a is a boon until you know, I can't pick up the game because I have to play seven other things or I can't watch, you know, uh, the new, I can't watch the Sam Raimi, uh, um, uh, Dr. Strange because I have to have watched like seven TV shows before that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's like the difference, right? Like we love, we love sequels because we love to revisit things like with gunstar heroes too, but we don't love homework and (laughs) treasure doesn't treasure. And a lot of those companies we talked about, even the, even like even monolith soft, right? Like, you don't have to play Xeno Gears to play Xeno Saga. You don't have to play Xeno Saga to play Xeno, um, uh Zeno. I. I buys the name popping out of my head? The one on the the Switch. Blade. Yeah, Xeno Blade Chronicles. Like you can just play them on their own. And so, like maybe that's it. Maybe it's maybe it's the the bravery to just like have a thing that is it's its own thing ultimately.
1: Yeah, which man that's. It is funny to do it with Xeno just because I think they are all connected.
0: <laughs> oh, sure. But they don't but, have to be. Yeah, but they're only it's connected. part of the pleasure of it.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like Zelda where they're really only connected if you bother to like do the like Pepe Sylvia thing.
0: Yeah, which you did um, on another episode. So if you liked this yeah. episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like there are people who kind of want to do that. But yeah, you, you've lowered the barrier for entry for like someone who's not going to obsess over stills from a
0: trailer or whatever. Correct. Correct. Well, Mark, I'm going to let you go, um, but before I do, why don't you tell everyone where they can read this and and where they can read your other work as well? Uh,
1: so, yeah, I'm going to do I'm going to write about Gunstar Heroes on the actual 30th anniversary of Treasure at RetroXP.Substack.com. Right. Uh, that will be on uh, June 19th. And uh, I have two freelance pieces coming to uh, paste. Um. In the you next. currently
0: run the athletic, correct?
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah those those two pieces at Paste are coming in the. I want to say next two weeks, but I don't know when you're gonna to publish this. So. Uh, it'll,
0: I think this is coming out pretty pretty soon. So okay. yeah, that makes sense.
1: Well, they'll be there. They'll be on my author page either way. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at uh, Mark underscore Normanton, and Trevor will have the spelling somewhere, I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, N-O-R-M-I-N-D-A-N. What? Nope, nope, got it wrong. N-O-R-M-A-N-D-I-N. Sorry, spelling spelling B stuff always got me. That's okay.
1: I thought you I thought you did it on purpose.
0: No, 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 no. That was a mistake. Oh uh Yeah. Well it's listen, I the last spelling bee I, I was in was at the the uh apple butter frolic fest, uh Mennonite fair, and they had me spell um Eucharist, and uh, I, I I failed at spelling that, and I decided mm-hmm. I'm I'm done I'm done with the form.
1: <laughs> I, there is and no God. That's yep. what happened after. That's you what happened. It
0: on. Once you can't spell <laughs> Eucharist wrong, yeah, I got <laughs> they excommunicated. Yeah, they I, didn't, I didn't even know I was a Mennonite. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, Mark. we'll we'll have you on again soon. Talk to you soon, man. Hey, hey thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash the cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various um, co-hosts and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.